Welcome to Brief Success Radio, the podcast that brings you the most up-to-date information on training, nutrition, lifestyle and business with your host, Helda Barroso. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Breed Success Radio. I'm happy to have back Kishin, the physio, with us. This is now our third episode. Is it third? I think it's third one. And today we are going to be talking about shoulder pain. So, Kishin, for those of you who don't know who you are, why don't you introduce yourself, tell them your background, where you've come from, and uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, so my name is Kishin Agada. I'm one of the physiotherapists. Um, I work mainly at the hospitals, all three in Leicester, uh, and I have my own clinic uh, where I see my private patients um, for a whole host of different injuries and pains and aches. Um, yeah, and today we're going to be talking, focusing mainly on the shoulder. A lot of the information I'm going to be giving is for uh, information purposes only. It's not medical advice. You know, always, if you have any issues, see a healthcare professional to get it fully checked out. Absolutely. With anything that we always talk about in any podcasts, it's never something that we encourage people to 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 take as, as medical advice. Always make sure you do your own research, go and see a doctor, go and see a healthcare professional. We are just trying to give uh, advice on on some uh, of, the, of, the, of the things that we have been through and we we know as experts. Uh, but never take this as 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 a, as something that yeah. you've got to go and do. Make sure you always go and see a doctor or a healthcare provider for sure. For Purely sure. educational purposes. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, Kishan, tell us in terms of uh, shoulder pain, uh, is this quite a common thing that you see regularly at the hospital as well as in your private clinic? Hundred percent. Yeah, shoulder pain, probably back pain is probably the most common. Then it's followed closely by knees and shoulders. I would say. Um, yeah. So it's a very common um, issue that I see day in, day out. Yes. Uh, um, yeah. We actually covered back pain on the last podcast we did together, mm-hmm. uh, which I will link the the the, uh, the post. Uh, it, I'll link it in the notes for the, that, pod, that podcast, which is awesome. Uh, if you haven't listened to it and if you have suffered with back pains or you know anybody who does, you may want to go back and uh, watch or listen to that. Uh, so where do we start then with this kind of shoulder problems that we see on a regular basis? So when it comes to shoulder pain, um, there's, there could be many different factors that can be causing shoulder pain. However, I've tried to, um, from the research I've done, I've tried to generalize it into three main categories that I'll be covering today. Um, you know, but so like I said, there could be many other factors relating mm. to shoulder issues. Of course. Um, so first of all, when it comes to shoulder um, the, the, with the anatomy. So if I just get my little model here. So f- for the video purposes of this, obviously people listening on podcasts may yeah. not be able uh, you know, to see this, but on the yes. video. But you can always go to YouTube and uh, watch what out. we're doing. Definitely, yeah. So, so this is the shoulder joint by itself. So this is called a glenohumeral joint, okay? Um, but the shoulder joint complex is made up of several other joints. For example, your acromioclavicular joint, okay? And also your scapular thoracic joint, okay? So all that works interconnectedly um, to form the shoulder complex. But a lot of the issues we're gonna be talking about is just at the glenohumeral joint, which is the shoulder joint, the ball and socket joint, that which most people know of, okay? Um, And again, then 
when we, when, when we take a good history from patients, we need to make sure there's no trauma. Okay, so the first rule is there shouldn't be any trauma. If there's, when I mean, what I mean by trauma is if there's a fall or a twist or a turning injury and they've landed on the shoulder. Um, so if there is trauma, that will change your management. Okay, so a lot of these conditions I'm talking about, there, is, there isn't any trauma. That, More of a chronic condition that people have had for a long time. It, potentially, yeah, yes. Um, so, so first of all, there shouldn't be any injury. If there is an injury, potentially, again, that, that could, you know, lead to other issues such as, you know, fractures, dislocations, muscle or tendon tears, um, or other factors like that. Okay. But before you go on this, if somebody has maybe had an injury, uh, years and years ago, or done something while they're exercising or whatever it might be, and they've had this niggling pain in the shoulder, would that be considered as a trauma? If, if it was, if it happened, um, let's say, you know, a few weeks ago, then it would be considered to be an acute injury. If it happened years ago, then I would, as long as I made a full recovery, then it, then I wouldn't be so much concerned. Okay, fine. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's only if it's happened acutely within days or weeks. Fine. Okay. Um, now, also, we want to rule out other sources of pain because you could get referred pain. So if you could get pain from the, you know, for example, your neck or your cervical spine. Okay. That refers pain into your shoulder. So we want to make sure it's not a neck issue. Okay. And it mm. is just a shoulder issue. Mm. So, uh, and again, there are certain tests that we can do to rule out, rule out this object, you know, subjectively by asking questions, but also objectively by the tests that we physios will do, you know, to yes. use. Um, so that we want to make sure there's no pain with neck movements. Okay. That refers to shoulder pain. Okay. Fine. If you move your neck and you have shoulder pain, then it may be unlikely to be a shoulder problem purely. Okay. Um, also if you have pain that goes all the way down your arm into your hands and you're getting other symptoms, pins and needles, numbness, tingling, burning. And again, it may be referred pain from the discs in the neck that may be compressing or compressing the nerves in your neck, which are shooting the pain down mm. so it may not be a shoulder joint issue although the pain is around that area yes um but as long as it's not a neck issue so we've ruled that out as well okay then we're looking focusing just that shoulder joint so like i said there are three main categories when it comes to this and the first one is subacromial pain syndrome okay so subacromial pain syndrome what that means is your acromion is here Okay, uh, well, let me just get the model here. So this is your acromion. Okay, this bone there. Yep. Okay, sub just means below. So subacromial, so below that bone, which is just above the head of the shoulder. So the pain that arises from somewhere around here. Okay, so we've not, we're not saying it's just from one structure as opposed to, you know, a tendon or a bursa. Um, or a ligament or a bone we're saying it's pain that arises from this area around that area because we, research tells us that we can't be specific with with where the pain actually originates from mm. i've done studies we we used to think we used to call it sub uh, subacromial uh, impingement syndrome and a lot of people still call it impingement. I've got impingement. I've been told it's impingement. My GP said it's impingement. 
but the more research tells us it's not actually impingement, but there could be other factors that are going on. Mm. Um, looking at more the rotator cuff issue, okay? Again, which, which I'll come on to. Um, so the subacromial pain syndrome is like an umbrella term, okay? It just means pain that arises around here. Yep. Okay? Um, so it could be sensitivity of your rotator cuff that causes uh, sensitivity in your shoulder. It could be your biceps tendon. So tendon that just runs at the front of the shoulder. If that's become sensitized, that can be causing you pain. It could be the, the labrum inside the, the joint, okay? Or it could be the bursa, which is sacs of oily fluid that helps lubricate our shoulder, all our joints. So it could be just simple as that's become inflamed and causing you pain, okay? Um, but the sensitivity of diagnosing that is very difficult. Um, it could be, you know, like we talked about, chronic tears that you have in the tendon as well. Mm. Um, okay, and we know, according to research, again, 50% of 50-year-olds have muscle tears in their rotator cuff tendon but no pain. Okay. So this is why just because you have a tear doesn't guarantee that you will have pain. You mean you're saying 50%? That's a big number. That's a huge number. Yeah, exactly. And um, then what, what, why, why do they have tears? Is it just wear and tear over, over the years? Um, it could be. So a lot of the issues that we're finding now is because we used to, like I said, we used to think it's more impingement where, so this is your shoulder joint, okay? And we used to think the tendon that runs in the middle is getting pinched mm. by the head of the shoulder and your acromion, okay, which forms a socket. We used to think that's getting, that's getting uh, squashed there. But mm. so research tells us it's less of a compressive issue, but potentially more of an overloading issue of that rotator cuff tendon and the bursa and the, and then the ligaments and all those other factors. Okay. But more the rotator cuff tendon becoming overloaded gradually through time uh, and what 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 happens is initially the tendon can become um, for example you, you hear a tendonitis tendinosis tendinopathy all those things kind of is a is a is a spectrum of or it's depending on the stage where you're looking at is what you call it. For example, if it's tendonitis, because it has itis at the end, it tells you it's inflammatory. We used to call this tendonitis, but we know now a lot of these shoulder conditions, there's no inflammation. So you can't really call it tendonitis. Mm. Okay. Uh, whereas tendinosis is tendons become uh, thickened uh, by, by, let's say, doing an ultrasound scan. How then, do we know whether there's no inflammation in, 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 the, in the tendon? For example, do like an ultrasound scan. You, okay. you, 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 can, you can pick up uh, if there was you know, inflammation going on there. Okay. Um, but yeah, so tendinosis is there's tendon issues. There's structurally, there's problems with the tendon or there's thickness. Uh, tendons become thickened, but there's no pain. Mm. Tendinopathy is there's changes on a, on a scan from ultrasound scan, for example, and there's pain. Okay. Mm. So um, when, when tendons become over, overloaded over time, they can thicken, okay, which is a natural response to, um, you know, muscles getting used or the tendons becoming overused. 
Um, over time, there's lots of chemical changes that happen within the tendon and at a structural, a structural level. Um, and that can predispose there to be pain. Mm. Okay, so we get structural changes, but sometimes we, there could be no structural changes and we can get pain. Yes. Okay. Um, and over time, if that overload issue keeps happening on those tendons and they get, keep getting aggravated for some reason, then that can lead to that weakness in that tendon leading to a tear, leading to a partial tear, and then over time leading to a full thickness tear. And if that keeps happening, that could lead to a full-blown rupture, for example. Okay, so it's like a continuum mm. um, where it starts off with you know, tendinopathy leading to potentially a tear and eventually leading to a full-blown rupture. rupture. Okay. Um, and is so, that something you see regularly? So that's something that we see definitely quite often uh, okay. when, when it comes to... Um, and what tends, what tends to be, is it mainly wear and tear that you see that happens or um, the what reason, tends to be the reasons? Yeah, the, the reason why tendinopathy develops um, is usually due to overload. But why, what's caused that overload is sometimes hard to distinguish. Yes, fair enough. Um, and again, we need to make sure we identify the right structures Okay, so it could be um, a rotator cuff tendinopathy and your management and your exercise plan will be different as opposed to a biceps tendinopathy. Mm. So like, you need a good assessment to figure out, is it a biceps tendon problem or a rotator cuff tendon issue? Yeah. Um, and would they need to see a physio for that? Could they do anything by themselves? Yeah, yeah, because it, there, there'll be certain tests that you can do to determine if the rotator cuff tendon is an issue as opposed to a bicep tendon. I guess um, where the pain occurs and where it's tended on palpation, for example, with a biceps tendon, you'll get pain more anteriorly. More in the front of the shoulder. The front where the biceps tendon lies. Yes. As opposed to rotator cuff tendon where it- More on top. Maybe more on top, but it may be deep in the joint. So you can't, mm. really, you can't really feel um, the- Well, you touch tendon. it, yeah. You touch it. You may do, but you may not be able to. Yes. So the location of pain may be different for both. Yes. There are other tests that you need someone like a physio, therapist to do to determine what's aggravating their pain. Fine. Uh, and by, by reproducing their pain, we can identify potentially what's going on. Um, so this subacromial pain uh, syndrome is more common in a younger population. So 30 to 30 to 50, even 60 year old people. Um, and you can get pain that goes down your arm. Okay. And sometimes we get, I get patients thinking, oh, you know, you're saying it's a shoulder problem or a rotated cuff issue, for example, but my pain's not here. My pain's down my arm. And that's quite common as well. Mm. Uh, so the rotated cuff uh, pain can refer pain down to the, you know, around the biceps area, even more lower down here. Is that more, maybe it's pressing on a nerve or? Um, no, not necessarily. It's just the way the, that tendon refers the pain down to a different okay. structure. Uh, because, uh, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so where you feel the pain and where the actual issues are 
can correlate. For example, like we were talking about with a bicep tendon, you'll get pain more here. However, it may not correlate. Um, also, um, for example, if there is subacromial pain syndrome going on, if, if I ask the patient to lift their arm, for example, they may, it may hurt. Mm. However, when, when they do it using the other hand, or when I do it, it doesn't hurt. Okay. So that tells me, again, it's less likely to be a, a joint problem as opposed to a muscular problem. Right. Okay. Similarly, with a, a rotator cuff tendon issue, you will get this painful arc, which is a, which is a sign where there'll be no pain here, there'll be pain around this region, and then there'll be no pain around here. At the top, yeah. Yeah, so there's an arc of pain around here. Okay, um, that is again, classic sign of a rotator cuff tendon issue. Okay. Okay. Um, but obviously that, you know, to, to actually come up with a diagnosis, there's a lot more, um, more diagnosis you need to look into need to. Yeah. But these are some of the key findings that I, I have, we see. Yes. Um, does that all make sense? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it does to me. Yeah. Tell me if there's anything, cause I, you know, sometimes I can, I can, uh, no, I'm absolutely fine. These, uh, you know, more technical terms and I forget that <laughs> sometimes people don't even don't yeah. know what it means. Um, so when it comes to management of subacromial pain syndrome, uh, the key is graded loading exercises to strengthen the key muscles that are sensitive or weak. Usually I find the external rotators are, 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 the, are the problem. Main, yeah, problem. Um, and, and, and that makes sense, I think, to me, because there are so many more key bigger muscles that are that internally rotate our shoulders. Okay, so you've got your lats, you've got your pecs, you've got your um, subscap in your in your um, in your rotator cuff in particular. And do you see a lot of the population have uh, uh, internal rotation when it comes to their shoulders because of normal day to day life? Because they have what? Sorry, in, uh, internal rotation of of, oh, for example, the, maybe, the maybe the pec, maybe the pec being being uh, tighter. Uh, yeah. The, the, the upper traps being, being very tight mainly because obviously of the situation of maybe typing a lot being on the phone a lot do you yes. see that on a regular basis and could that be a problem for shoulder problems in in the meantime yeah yeah potentially because i think the key is when it comes to these muscles we want to get the balance of the muscles okay because if your shoulders like this if the muscles um let's say work you know they're not in efficient balance. You, you could get slight change in the position of where your shoulder sits in the socket. Mm -hmm. You get pec do dominance where the shoulder is sitting in an anterior position. Mm. That's going to change the mechanics of how the shoulder functions. So it's not sitting nice and um, flush. Yeah, flush in that, uh, in that sh um, acromial socket. Mm. So that can predispose there to be inefficient movement of that shoulder joint. So do you which, think a lot of, maybe a lot of if people focused a little bit on things like retraction uh, and traction, protraction, depression, and um, elevation of the scapula, and they worked on that, do you think that would help with shoulder problems? 
if if that's a contributing factor mm. or if if they're not doing enough of that then for sure, definitely i find in, in when i work with clients that most of them cannot move their scapula very well you know yeah people don't have that awareness of how to you know independently move one region of the body compared to another yes um a lot of people do and i guess that's because they're not they've not had to do it yeah um or their lifestyle has meant that they've not they've not you know needed the full range of the shoulder movement because they may have a shoulder uh, office-based job yes yes but i think is it is it not more important if you have an office job or you do jobs that keep you in that in that situation where your shoulders are, are basically rounded forward yeah that maybe work a little bit more on on on, on moving your scapula 100% yeah so it'd be sensible for those kind of patients or you know people to be doing other movements that you know do the opposite yes of whatever they're doing nine till five yes uh, you know so doing if you're sitting like this all the time do something where you're doing the complete opposite yeah for a few moments uh in the day um because i feel would, that would restore balance do you know what I, I i see i see a lot of people stretching so they're stretching to kind of open that but i, that, I think they're stretching the pecs or whatever it might be but mm -hmm. they're not actually working on on on, on the scapula moving to a place yeah. where they, the, it puts the pecs in a place where they stretch it by themselves just because you move the scapula back. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things I, 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 I see is, and I try and, and tell my clients is, you really need to focus on working on, on working that scapula in all, all directions. Directions, 100%. Yeah. So that you try and minimize those problems. Exactly, yeah. And the, and the key from my point is, what is that scapula not doing? And then we need to get it to be able to do those things. Yeah. So what yeah. you're saying is, you know, even if you don't have pain, it's good things to be doing. On a regular um, basis, yes. Yeah, if you can keep things balanced, then, you know, that I think that stands um, well when it comes to preventing issues down the line. Yeah. Although there's not much research to back this up, unfortunately, I think it makes sense to me. Yeah, you've got a saying about uh, motion, motion is what? Motion is lotion, yeah. Yeah, so if we're moving every part of our body in, in each way that it goes surely that's going to be something positive definitely yeah 100 percent um i think like when you come to stretching i think there are certain muscles that do um, tend to tighten up for some reason and usually the upper traps are one 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 muscle the levator scap again which is one of the neck muscles but it's a shoulder girdle uh, muscle as well um your pecs your yeah. lats they become quite chronically tight very quickly um, and what I find is because you've got a lot of muscles to internally rotate your shoulders but there's only two small little baby muscles which are obviously as you know it's your you know uh, infraspinatus and teres minor which yes rotates. yes and that's why those two muscles they are very small muscles so they get you know overloaded because the other muscles are potentially taking over for those people listening and even maybe even watching where are those muscles located? So the the rotate the rotator cuff's deep. It's the first layer of your shoulder joint, and that's what keeps the shoulder stable. The there's four main muscles when it comes to the rotator cuff. Okay, so you've got the deep muscle. They're probably easier around the, to get if I get the again the model. So you've got the infraspinatus, which is in this fossa here, which is called your infraspinatus fossa. Then you've got in this little groove. I don't know if you can see that groove. You've got the supraspinatus, and then you've got the teres minor, which attaches from the lateral border there. 
okay, into the then humeral, um, the humeral head. Um, and you've got subscapularis, which is the inside of the shoulder girdle, uh, shoulder blade, sorry. And it attaches into the upper. And those are the, the muscles that are responsible for retraction? Uh, no, those are the muscles are, are responsible for keeping the humeral head, mm -hmm. the shoulder head in its socket. Okay, and they do certain movements. So a couple of them will externally rotate your shoulder into this position. Yeah. One will internally rotate and one does a little bit of abduction. Okay, which is a supraspinatus. Um, and their main role is to work together to keep the shoulder where it should be. Mm. Okay, so the, the first aim of the rotate cuff is to uh, create stability. When we have chronic tightness and weakness in certain muscles, that makes the, the rotate cuff work less efficiently. So the humeral head's not where it should sit. And when it moves, it, it may not be moving as well. And again, it may be potentially, you know, um, causing other areas to become sensitive because it's not moving well in the socket. Mm. Okay. Um, does that answer your question? Uh, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. It's a bit on a bit of a tangent there, but... No, no, just because we're mentioning all these muscles, I think yeah. a lot of people have no idea where those muscles are and what they do. Sure. So I think it might be a good idea for them. What they may then say is, well, maybe if we strengthen those muscles, yeah. we'll have sh uh, healthier shoulders. Will that be the... 100%, yeah. So the yeah. key is to figure out which muscles are not doing their job, either if they're weak, we need to strengthen them. And usually I find the external rotators are, are chronically weak. Um, and I find uh, the, the muscles that internally rotate our shoulders. So, you, you know, like I said, the lats, the pecs, they're, they're tight. And, they, um, and we know, you know, a lot of people that go to the gym, they concentrate more on the compound movements, which is okay. Okay, you know, the bench press, you've got the lat pull downs, uh, but uh, perhaps they may not do anything to do in any external rotation exercises. Yeah, well, we don't see many people go to the gym and, and do an external rotation, do we? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Potentially, I think I think it'll be sensible to be doing that. Not yes. all the time, but now and again, yeah, for yes. sure, uh, as a preventative measure. Mm. Um, so we also need to look at the your you know your lower limbs. So I mean your legs and your glute strength and your core strength because we know your rotator cuff works um, thirty percent better when your legs are activated. Okay, so if I'm just doing this. Okay, mm -hmm. as opposed to if I do a lunge and then do this, doing a lunge and doing this shoulder flexion will make my rotator cuff work better because your kinetic chain, and what I mean by kinetic chain is you have, you know, your, all your let's say your left leg muscles will work in conjunction with your right shoulder blade muscles. Wow. Okay, so we have chains in the body. So um, that's- I never what, knew that. Okay, yeah. So- um, so this is why it's quite important to really, you know, if you have a cricket a cricketer who's, you know, a thrower or a bowler, it's important to look at not just the shoulder, but are they weak other and elsewhere, which mm. could be contributing to shoulder issues here in the first place. And we know, uh, research I was looking at, it says if there's if your hip muscles are working 25% less, that puts 30% more strain on the shoulder. So for a cricketer. So if they're throwing the ball for a baseball thrower, it was baseball okay. that they were looking at, but they said if they had, you know, so that tells me that if the leg muscles are not doing their job on the other side, yes, 
that puts more strain here. More strain potentially could lead to overloading issues. Injury, of course, yeah. Tendon, tendinopathy issues. Uh, and down the line, potentially tears. So will, be this, will this be the same thing, for example, let's talk about more my audience. So if, for example, someone's going to the gym mm -hmm. and they may be doing a lot of side, side laterals, shoulder mm -hmm. presses, chest presses, as you mentioned, lap pull downs, but they're not necessarily working on, on glutes, uh, not doing glute bridges, or they're not doing uh, Bulgarian split squats on a regular basis, or they feel like that, that might be a, an exercise that's difficult to do, so they don't do it. So they might have weak glutes on the left. Does that mean that they they may be overloading their right shoulder when they're doing side laterals? No, I okay. would. I, I don't think so. Uh, so if they're purely just doing side laterals, then you that task doesn't demand the left glute to be working. Good. When it, what what I was it's more of a kinetics. So if, if you're throwing, there's throwing, a lot of things happening. Landing on your left leg or yes. a right pair. That right that's arm. better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right I just didn't, I didn't want people to go away with the idea that if they've got a weak, a weak left glute, their right shoulder might be compromised when they're doing side yeah. laterals. No, no, no. So it, it all depends on the task that we're looking at. So yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you uh, we clarified that. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So also when it comes to rotator cuff issues, mm -hmm. uh, we find, uh, and again, research tells us that having like a corticosteroid injection is probably not the best thing to be, um, getting at best. It's good pain relief. Uh, does that, that happens a lot though, don't they? Doctors, unfortunately do still give a lot of those injections. hundred percent. Um, and, and people it, want them because they want the pain relief. Well, no, I, th I, well, I think people want that. People want the injection because they think that's going to help get their shoulder better. But it doesn't. But when I tell the sh patients that actually the injection is not going to fix your shoulder pain, it may help with the pain temporarily, but it's not going to fix the underlying issue, which mm. is maybe the weakness in certain muscles. Yes. Um, or, the, or the muscles not working you know, properly. It's not going to fix that underlying issue. It's going to help with pain at best. And at worst, it's not going to do anything. Yeah. And even the, even if it doesn't help with the pain, it could potentially be, if you have too many steroid injections, it can lead to tears down the line because we know steroid, steroids, you know, weaken, weakens the structures around wherever they yes. So um, for a rotator cuff tendinopathy, I would definitely wouldn't uh, recommend injections. Um, if they're really struggling to sleep and they can't do any physio exercises, um, then potentially for those patients, you know, that, that could be, let's say 10% of the overall uh, population. It may, it may be okay to have an injection, but usually they would, you know, you'd need three to six months of good physiotherapy. Yes. Um, before they would even consider you to be getting an injection. And usually what I find in my experience is if they have good physio for three to six months, their pain's much better and they don't want an injection. Yes. Yes. Um, so I think patients are unaware that injections, you know, going to fix their shoulder mm. shoulder, shoulder issue. Uh, and well, hopefully they can take away from this that it doesn't. Yeah. For a rotator cuff issue, it doesn't. Okay. Um, what, what does it work for? 
so frozen shoulder, which we'll come on to talk about okay. now. So, or a stiff shoulder. So the first main um, shoulder issue was we talked about was short subacromial pain syndrome. Okay. Yeah. And that's mainly to do with the rotator cuff, right? That's mainly in my experience, potentially a rotator cuff tendinopathy. Okay. Um, the second main issue is a stiff shoulder. Okay. So their shoulder doesn't move uh, in, in, in all ranges as it should. Okay. Yes. And usually there's two main causes, either arthritis or a frozen shoulder. Okay. Again, we need to make sure there's no trauma. If there's a trauma, if there's, if they've had trauma, it could mean that they've got fracture or dislocation and the management would be different for that. Of course. Okay. But if it's a stiff shoulder where it doesn't move, then it, again, we need to look at the age of the uh, person. So if they're above 65 or 70, it's unlikely to be a frozen shoulder and it's more likely to be arthritis. arthritis. But again, all they simply need is an x-ray. An x-ray would rule rule in arthritis and it will rule out frozen shoulder oh, no, yeah. it'll rule arthritis so if yes. they have arthritis you know you'll easily pick it up yeah um through an x-ray um but also frozen shoulder affects more middle-aged populations so more 30 to 60 year olds okay, okay? and it affects more women um for some reason and also um people who are have diabetes Okay. Uh, diabetic populations. For some reason, why this happens, we don't know. Um, obviously, we know people who have diabetes have a, a weaker immune system. Maybe there's something to do with that. But, there is a link there, yeah. Um, so, but frozen shoulder, okay, what that is, it's, uh, it's stiffness in the joint capsule, okay? So, this is your shoulder, and it, so, so the the synovial capsule, which is like a sac of fluid, um, the bursa, the tendons, everything just becomes, you know, stiff, inflamed. Hence the word frozen is exactly like, like that. The technical name is adhesive capsulitis. And I guess because it has that itis at the end, itis is inflammation. So, so we used to think it's purely inflammation. However, research tells us it's not purely inflammation. Mm. Uh, Okay, so um, so for a frozen shoulder, everything just becomes really stiff and tight. Okay, um, it can happen without any cause. It can happen after a, you know a slight injury to the shoulder. Um, well, it could just happen just like that then. Yeah, you could just wake up and gradually it, it just develops. Well, uh, is there any particular reason for that? No, no idea. Uh, no, unfortunately, we don't. The science doesn't know. Uh, okay. Um, Again, could it be overload? Um, could it be inactivity? Potentially, yeah, potentially. We know people, if you've had a fracture, for example, in your elbow or your shoulder, and when you're resting your arm for, you know, for many weeks. Yes, that, that could cause it. That could cause it, yeah. So potentially other, th other factors can contribute um, to you developing a frozen shoulder, yeah. Fair enough. Um, and usually with the frozen shoulder, it works in, it, there's three main stages. First stage is uh, the pain stage, then it's stiffness, and then it starts to resolve. Okay. And how long does that take? The time scale, unfortunately, aren't good. Okay. You're looking at minimum six months up to two years plus. Wow. Um, yeah. And it is a very, very painful, debilitating condition. 
But the good, good news is that majority of patients get better. Okay, how much better? On time will tell, and it's different for different people. But majority of people make a good recovery after eighteen months to two years. Is, and what can they do to 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 help maybe um, speed that recovery? Yeah. So um, the the key is physiotherapy. Okay, and gentle exercises in the first stage. Okay, so you don't want to do, be doing aggravating, painful exercises in the, when when it's the first stage when it's more painful. You don't want to be doing aggravating exercises, so and, you know, aggressive exercises, but you want to be just gentle exercises, heat, applying heat or cold, taking um, pain relief that you, over the counter or through the GP. Um, and this is a time where I definitely would recommend an injection, okay? Because um, there is nothing else that can be done to help that pain. And... And the severity I'm talking about is, you know, nine, 10 out of 10 pain. Wow. Any movement causes them agony. Okay. Yes. So it's the, 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 so at this time, I, pro I probably would. The benefits that the injection gives you out, outweighs the harm, I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just to settle the pain, especially if they're not sleeping. Yeah. Uh, as we know, you know, sleep can make uh, us more sensitive. Uh, So, so if they're not sleeping well, you know, and then they've had physiotherapy for about three to six months and the pain's not settling, then injection will definitely be worth. And is this quite a common thing you see? Frozen shoulder, it, it is pretty common. Uh, uh, yeah, like, like I say, um, it affects more the middle-aged population. Um, and again, why this happens, we don't know, but it is a common condition that I see, yeah, for sure. And can I ask you a question? I don't know how many people you see that different in terms of whether they're more active whether they're less active yeah. uh, do you see for example people that may exercise on a regular basis whether it might be going to the gym whether it might be swimming whether they might be playing a sport do you see that they get less frozen shoulders than people that are more inactive good question um i honestly don't know uh to be fair uh, is is the honest answer I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, guess. But usually, I. I think in my. If I had to take a stab at it, I would say it's more the inactive population, mm. uh, potentially that may get a frozen shoulder. But again, I. I don't know what the evidence says regarding that. But that'd be it. just because uh, in in my experience, and I've surrounded myself with a lot of people that do some kind of movement, mm -hmm. and I've never really heard of anybody having a frozen shoulder of that mm. exercise on a regular basis. Mm. Yeah, you know, I've had more of the previous one that you said in terms of the Jeez. rotator cuff injury. That's yeah. pretty common, but the frozen shoulder, I hear it more in, in people that don't really exercise as much. Yeah, I mean, that's a lovely thing to research, really. You know, finding out does it affect people that exercise or not, and mm -hmm. that the risk factor potentially if you don't exercise, that could maybe predispose you to getting a yeah shoulder. It's, it's a good question, actually. Uh, and like I said, if I had to take a stab at it, I would say that it's more the inactive population. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah. But having an injury, you know, if you've, let's say, broken your arm and then you have a period of immobilization. Again, you're inactive, aren't you? You're inactive for that, you know, temporary period. You're Absolutely, yeah. So, so, so potentially, yeah, I'm probably more, say, towards the inactive population. Yes. Just get it. Yeah. More. It would um, make sense, wouldn't it, based on... 
theoretically, yeah. We know, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And when, when the pain starts to ease a little bit, but the shoulder is still very stiff. Yeah. Um, so another thing I should have mentioned, actually, is um, with a frozen shoulder, you get a capsular pattern. Okay, so this is a quick test that everyone can use. So, for example, if patients can do this lateral rotation movement, mm -hmm. it's not a frozen shoulder. Right. Black and white. There's not many things that are black and white in the physio world, but this is definitely one of them. If they can do lateral rotation, it's not a frozen shoulder. Okay. Um, so you get this with a frozen shoulder, you get this capsular pattern. So you get stiffness in the, in the, in the joint that will limit this the most so mm -hmm. lateral is affected the most then abduction is affected okay and then medial rotation so getting your hand behind your back yes those three things are affected in in that manner so this is affected the most then this is affected and then this is affected right okay so if someone can do this you can be confident to say at that time it's not a frozen shoulder mm. Yeah. Uh, however, it could be developing into a frozen shoulder, but that's, uh, you know, a di different question, I guess. Yeah. So coming on to as the shoulder becomes less painful and it's still stiff and they can't move it and they, you know, they're just stuck. Then doing some joint mobilizations that, you know, physiotherapists can do can really help just to stretch out the joint in the areas that it needs. Yes. Stretching. Yes. Yes. Um, also, um, and then, doing more stretching a bit more aggressive exercises uh, is key and you know you using weights and things like that yeah cool yeah. and in terms of what was the third shoulder shoulder issue so the, yeah. the next one is um instability okay so this is when the shoulder joint becomes quite loose for some reason or for uh, and we'll come on to this so again you want to make sure there's no trauma Okay, because that will change your management. The first thing is always with any injury. With any injury. Is make sure there's not been any trauma in the last two last, weeks, week, yeah, month. Yeah, a few weeks. Yes. Um, okay, so you get the loosening of the joint capsule. And as I said, the rotator cuff, that the, the, one of the main responsibilities of the rotator cuff, as, you, as we know, is the stability, okay? So if that rotator cuff is not doing its job or is become lengthened so it's mm. quite uh, or, or it's weak that will make the shoulder joint less stable okay uh, some people can also have um, hypermobility syndrome okay um, and for them their joint they have the structure of their uh, ligaments is different mm average person that predisposes them to have loose joints everywhere okay and that in itself is nothing to worry about but that could be something that we need to consider um, and the joint capsule just becomes baggy okay um, so as opposed to your hip joint your hip joint is more like this okay where you've got a bigger capsule and you've got a bigger joint congruency mm-hmm Okay, as opposed to with your shoulder, you've got a bigger head and a smaller capsule. Okay, yes. So you and 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 the, the stability comes from the rotator cuff, as 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 we mentioned. So there's less ligaments stabilizing our shoulder joint compared to our hip joint, for example. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
but you can also get instability through poor muscle patterning. Okay, so for uh, you know serratus anterior, so that's one of the key muscles that are um, mobilized and keep the scap your shoulder blade nice and tight to your thoracic spine through your ribs. Yes. If that's not doing its job, that again can cause issues with the shoulder blade itself, causing issues in the shoulder joint as well. Okay. Um, so you, if the muscles are not working coherently, and if, for example, the upper traps are pulling the shoulder blade in one direction, and then the other muscles are not working to resist that action, then that can just cause instability in the shoulder joint. So you, most of these things are weakness in a muscle somewhere, right? Yes, uh, apart from the frozen shoulder where it was- Apart from that, yeah. Stiffness, yeah. So it, would it not be a good idea for people to exercise those muscles on a regular basis? 100%, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and they don't need to do it that often, but I probably would say, you know, two, three times a week, you know, that's a healthy dose of uh, making sure you're taking your shoulder joint in different ranges in, um, and you're activating key muscles. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the things that obviously with my background has always pretty much been based on weight training. Um, but I see, to be honest with you, with weight training, I see a lot of dysfunctions because we seem to train muscles in pretty much, you know, the length, from the length and range to the mid range to the short range. Yes. And we're not really working the stabilizing, like the supraspinators, interspinators, all those, the serrators. We're not really focusing on that because we don't, because they're more uh, um, functional movements, I guess. Yeah. So one of the things that lately, and you know about this because I've told you about this, that I've been doing is kin stretch. Yeah. Now within kin stretch, we do a lot of these movements. We work in the, yeah. the, the, the joints in its full range, and we work in not just a range of it in terms of making it go through its full range, but we're working it in, 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 in the, in the, um, we're working in the joint itself. So for example, external rotation of the joint, we work, we work that at the end range. Yeah. So, which is working most of those muscles that you're talking about. So I think maybe people might want to go away and look into kin stretch where I think that will massively help with these, with these things. So I tend to do a kin stretch, for example, now I'm having a week off from the gym mm -hmm. on a daily basis. I'm doing kin stretch. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm, I'm not training with weights. I'm doing kin stretch. I'm doing yoga. Mm -hmm. I'm doing movement patterns. Yeah. Yeah. And when I don't have a week off from the gym, what I tend to do is on the days off from training, I do a bit of kin stretch and I yeah. feel that's really helped me overall based working ba ba basically those little muscles that you're talking about throughout yeah. the whole body. And I think that's something that may people that I've never heard of a kin stretch may want to go away. I'll put a link to the kin stretch uh, website, yeah. but there's a lot of people nowadays on YouTube, mm -hmm. on Instagram, kind of like going through all these exercises. I find them really useful. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. It's really good, you know. It's healthy just to keep all joints in our body mobile, so having full range and having full strength in those full ranges is, yes. is the key, I guess, isn't it? And kin absolutely. So it's not a bad thing to do, uh, you know, at all. It's you know highly recommend that. Um, so instability affects uh, patients more um, the younger population, and again more females. Um, 
looking at people aged below 25, so 15 to 25, uh, affects uh, this um, population. So when it comes to management of these patients, the key is to, again, like you say, find out the key muscles that are not doing their job. And usually, so, you know, when we talk about the first issue with the subacromial pain syndrome, it's usually the rotator cuff. With, with these clients, it, it, you know, it could be a combination of everything. It's a chicken or the egg. What came first? Was this tight and that became weak or, or vice versa? So it's more looking at, the, again, the whole kinetic chain for all yeah. the way from their legs, uh, glute strength, uh, quad strength, core strength, and then coming on onto their shoulder joint as well. Um, and the key patterns that I see is people that can have... Uh, Latimus dorsi strategy where they dump their shoulders and they and they move their arm this in this manner yes okay? they're really they're, you know the shoulder girdles de, you know depressed and they're using their lats to to get that stability that the shoulder joint needs mm. okay or they could have a pec dominant strategy where they're you know really rounded and your pecs dominant and you know you, it'll feel a lot harder than the other side and mm. they use that to create you know falsely manufacture stability in that shoulder joint and over the, over time they may not even realize this so this is where you know using specific um exercises using mirrors uh, so they can get that visual feedback of oh okay i'm lifting my arm this way whereas this side i'm lifting it in a different manner absolutely yeah will help and using like proprioceptive proprioceptive exercises uh, is really really helpful because they get a lot more sensory feedback through their joint shoulder joint mm. So what I mean by proprioceptive exercises is, for example, in a press-up position, okay, your shoulder joint is getting a lot of feedback because your body weight's, um, you know, propped up with your shoulder. Yes. Okay. So any closed chain exercises. So if I'm doing wall press-ups, press-ups on the wall, uh, floor, the floor. Um, you know, it could be using gym balls or pressing onto the wall, you know, th that's how, you know, so it's, it's getting, getting rid of the old, bad habits that are not helpful and replacing them to get their muscles all around the shoulder girdle working and firing more correctly okay. is the key. And it is tricky. This population is a lot more trickier in of my course. experience. Yeah, better, unless, it, unless it's uh, something quite you know, simple or obvious mm. um, because you're working on many different things at the same time. Yes. Um, taping, sometimes I use taping, uh, you know, tape the shoulder up in a better position and then see, does that change? If it makes their shoulder function better, then I will. I could take their shoulder up in a certain way, and then they can go home and keep that tape on for two or three days. Yes. Um, just so they can retrain the good movements that they need to do. Um, and that I think I think taping helps because it changes the neural input and it provides you sensory feedback. Um, so I, th I think there, there may be a place for that. Uh, and again, with this population, I would not go anywhere near steroid injections at all. Good. Um, so I don't think there's a place for that or, you know, or even surgery. Cool. Yeah. So would you say these are the three biggest things that these you are, see in terms of shoulder uh, problems? I've generalized a little bit, okay? But these are the three main issues that I see patients um, with, with, with shoulder pain. And like we know, you know, it's never just what's happening on one joint. Yes. You know, it's back to our cup analogy. Yeah. So just to addressing those other lifestyle factors of what they're doing or what they're not doing in their life. 
which is contributing to adding or or making them more sensitized to pain whether yeah, that's sleep and we've talked about this we've covered this really really well in our first podcast which again i'll put the link to the first podcast and the last podcast that we did on back pain uh, in this in the notes because i think it may be worth people going back if they haven't yet listened to that because it will give them better, a better understanding overall how we can manage any pain really isn't it yeah yeah 100 um Kishan, if, if, if obviously I know, I know a lot of people listening to this will probably have shoulder problems mm-hmm. and they'll probably have a lot of questions and maybe want to come and see you and maybe do some of those exercises to kind of gauge where they are, potentially how you can help them. What would be the best approach for them to come and see you, how we can find you? Yeah, so I'm mainly active on uh, Instagram. So physio underscore solutions 3030, uh, physio underscore solutions 30. Um, if they just drop me a message and we can, you know, talk about it I, you know, I don't mind people contacting me and you got your private clinic uh in leicester right in yeah in hamilton leicester yeah uh, perfect so, and yeah. currently with the covid situation you're still open to see clients yeah because we're healthcare we're still allowed to stay yeah. open you know um so yeah i'm, I'm still open we're using obviously all the uh, precautions precautions as, as best we can um i do offer virtual consultations as well okay uh, and, and, and there is a place where um, where that is, you know, sufficient to to diagnose and yes. feedback through exercises. Perfect. Um, so yeah. Perfect. Well, I'll put all the 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 the, uh, the links in the notes anyway for your Instagram, um, and if people want to contact you, they can just direct message you. If they can't find you for whatever reason, they can always message me, and I'll I'll put them through to you. Yeah. Not a problem. But thank you for taking your time once again to come on the podcast to this time cover thank shoulder pain. Thank you. Uh, it, and then hopefully, I think the next one we're going to do is going to be on knee pain. Is that right? Yeah, we can do it on knee pain. Yeah, for sure. I think I think that'll be really good. Again, what we see on a regular basis, as you know, is back pain, shoulder pain, and knee pain tend to be the three really biggest cool. issues, isn't it? Cool. So yeah. I think we'll definitely uh, put one in the diary for the, for the knee, if that's okay with you. 100%. 100%. Awesome, my man. Well, thank you for joining us. I look forward to the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Speak to you soon.